And now we take you to Evangel Assembly of God in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Next week, we're going to begin a new series called The Power of Personal Choices. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you want to increase the activity of the Holy Spirit in your life? You want to increase the anointing? I think most of us do. Well, you know what? It comes down to choices that we make. And so I'm going to talk to you about the power of personal choices. And we're going to look at the life of Samuel because God allowed none of his words to fall to the ground. He had so much anointing. He was listening to the Holy Spirit. He was a man after God's own heart. And he would do what was in God's heart and God's mind according to 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 35. But this morning, we want to talk about the compassion of God. And we're going to look at two sections of Scripture. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 12, and then we're looking at the book of Jonah. Jesus said in Matthew 12, verse 38 and following, he said, then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered and saying, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. They had heard that Jesus was healing the sick and cleansing the lepers and raising the dead and casting out devils. They said, Lord, we want to be entertained. We want to see a sign from you. You know, a lot of people today want to see God do miracles. They don't necessarily want to live for God, but they want to see him do miracles. That was the same in Jesus' day. Look at his response, verse 39. He answered and said to them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign is going to be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Isn't that an interesting response? You're going to get the sign of the prophet Jonah. Then he defines that in verse 40. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. You know what Jesus is prophesying? He says, hey, I'm alive now. I'm the Son of God. I'm moving in power. I'm healing all that are sick and oppressed of the devil, for God is with me. But the day is going to come that I'm going to willingly give. Man's not going to take it. I'm going to willingly give my life on a cross. I'm going to bear the sins of the universe. I'm going to bear the sicknesses. I'm going to bear the trespasses of mankind because it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to forever forgive of sins. But I'm going to shed my blood as the Son of God, and I'm going to be buried for three days, but I'm going to rise on the third day. Hallelujah. Verse 41. The men of Nineveh, Jesus says, the men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah and indeed a greater than Jonah is here. Would you turn to somebody and tell them Jesus Christ is greater than Jonah? Tell them. You know, the book of Jonah only has has four chapters in it. And it's a story of God's love and mercy. And some say, well, I don't believe that Jonah was really swallowed by a whale. How in the world can that be true? That's just a fish story. Let me ask you a question. How many of you like to fish? You should see your hands. Come on, seriously. You like to fish. I, I read once about a shark that was taken off the coast of Australia. And that shark weighed over 4,000 pounds. We're going to take a picture of him. Look at this thing. Over 4,000 pounds, almost 30 feet long. And of course, we know that whales get a lot bigger than that. Look at the teeth in this thing. It's in a man's hand here. He has 276 of those teeth. 
I think Jonah was lucky to get swallowed whole, don't you? Look at the next one. This is from Asia. This is a different shark. Look how big that thing is. It's just humongous. You say, I don't believe in Jonah getting swallowed by the big fish. Well, I'll tell you why I believe it. I believe it because Jesus said it is true. Look at Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 with me. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Let me share with you this morning quickly four things about that we learned from this book of Jonah. You may want to write these down. Four things about Jonah. Number one, Jonah did not like what God told him to do. And the reason he didn't like it is God said, go to Nineveh and preach repentance. But he hated the Ninevites because Nineveh was the capital city of a city of, of a country called Assyria. And in the Old Testament, it's called Babylon. Today, it's called Iraq. And it was the Babylonians who took Daniel's forefathers and killed them and who ransacked their nation, who took Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego captive. It was the Babylonians who were hated by Israel. And God says, I want you to go, Jonah, and I want you to preach to your hated enemy. And this fellow is very, very unhappy. He didn't want them to repent. He wanted them to suffer. He wanted them to die. Has anybody ever hurt you to the point that you wanted them to suffer? Come on, as Christians, we know we're supposed to forgive. Have you ever prayed, God, I forgive, but you get them? That's probably where Jonah was. God, I'll forgive them, but you get them. But God said, go. Has God ever asked you to do something? Have you ever had an impression of the Holy Spirit in your heart? I'm not talking about hearing a voice as much as just an inner impression that you were supposed to do something. See, God guides us by our spirit. Have you ever supposed to do something and you didn't do it? I remember years ago, for some reason, Kathy got upset at me. I know that never happens at your house. But my wife was upset at me, and I couldn't figure out why. And she was beyond upset. She was angry. And I said, Kathy, why are you upset? And she said, well, Terrell, you did this, you did that, and you did the other. And I listened to her, and I thought, well, those aren't so bad. There's no reason to be upset. And so I just let her fuss and fume. And I went about what I had to do. At the end of the day, just getting ready to go to bed, so I began reading the Bible, and as I read the Scripture, let me tell you, it's important that you go to the Word of God, because the Word of God will tune your heart to the Spirit of God. It's quicker and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It'll pierce even to the division of soul and spirit. It's a, it's a discerner of the joints and the marrow and the deepest intents of the heart. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, Terrell, ask Kathy to forgive you. And I said, but Lord, I'm right. She's wrong. I kept reading the Bible. And again, that thought came to me down in my heart, not in my head, but it came up to my heart. And then it kind of filtered up to my understanding. Ask Kathy to forgive you. I'm hard headed, but I'm not that hard headed. I went to Kathy and said, honey, 
Would you please forgive me? I know I've hurt your feelings. I know I was wrong. Would you please forgive me? And she gave me one of those big smiles. She says, of course I forgive you. And she kissed me and hugged me. And things got a whole lot better at my house. How many of you know if mama's not happy, ain't nobody happy? I learned a lesson from that. I learned that God wants our obedience, not our excuses. All Jonah's got is excuses at this point. Here's the second point. Instead of obeying God, Jonah books passage on a cruise ship, and he sails in the other direction. Now, we've got a little map we're going to put up on the screen. and See, Jonah was in Joppa. Joppa is by modern-day Tel Aviv. How many of you have been to, to Israel? If you've been to Israel, you probably landed in Tel Aviv. You landed right beside Joppa. He's in Joppa. As, as the bird flies, it's 550 miles to travel from Joppa up to Nineveh. But he says, no, I'm going to go to Tarshish. I'm going to take a cruise. I hear the Caribbean's got a special going on. I'm going to go to modern-day Spain. And so he set, set sail 2,000 miles away. And as he set sail, they run into a storm. And you'll remember the storm got so bad, they thought they were going to shipwreck. And the captain commanded everybody, he says, pray to your gods, whoever they are. Pray to your gods. And he finds Jonah asleep. And Jonah admits, hey, it's all my fault. In fact, if you'll throw me over, the storm will stop. And the sailors didn't want to do it, but they throw Jonah in the ocean. The storm stops. And the Bible says that God prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. Folks, I, I, I just want you to know, you can't get away from the presence of God. Jonah tried to get away from the presence of God. David, in Psalms 139, says, Lord, where can I go away from your presence. I can't get away from your presence. Jonah thought if he went to Spain, he could get away from the presence of God, but he couldn't do it. You know, when you start to sail away from God, when you make life decisions, when you start that relationship with that other man, when you start that relationship with that other woman, when you start doing that thing that you know is wrong, oh, it'll feel good for a while. and It'll seem that God's letting you get away with it. The sailing might start off as smooth, but at some point in time, that's going to create a bad taste in your mouth. Many years ago, there was a book written. It was called Dying at the Top. And it was the stories of people that were rich and famous and some of the decisions they made in their lives. And one man said this. He said, I made more money in my life than I could ever spend in a lifetime. He says, so I left my wife, I left my children, I moved in with my girlfriend. He says, now I've got cancer, the doctor says I'm going to die. Oh, how I wish I had made a different decision. See, folks, one day, some of you are going to wish that you could come back to a church like this, and you could hear the gospel of Jesus Christ preached. You're going to wish that you could have an opportunity to believe on Jesus Christ, but it's going to be too late because the Bible says it's appointed unto man wants to die, and after that, the judgment. You say, oh, well, the pastor, that's a long way off for me. You know, I was coming in here on Monday morning. We have intercessory prayer on Mondays from 12 to 1, and I was making my way in here, and Ruby Moran, raise your hand. She's my aunt, Aunt Ruby, Aunt Ruby. She called me. She says, Terrell, I have to let you know. I have to let you know that your cousin Jimmy 
went to bed last night, but he didn't wake up this morning. Jimmy's a year younger than I am. I knew Jimmy had been sick. I'd been praying with him some, and he come to, came down in January for Melton Moran's funeral. He went to bed Sunday night, and he woke up in eternity. Now, here's what I'm glad for. I'm glad that just last week, Jimmy called my dad. He said, Uncle JB, I need prayer. And Jimmy rededicated his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Hallelujah. We all have an expiration date. See, you don't know. I don't know when my expiration date is. But I'll tell you what I do know. I do know that if I will make things right with God, if I'll say, Jesus, I'm going to trust your shed blood as the full payment for all of my sins, that Jesus will forgive me of my sins. God will forgive me. He'll write my name down in the Lamb's book of life. And if I'll serve him as my Lord and King, say I can walk as his child. I've had some people say, well, I just, I just don't believe. What kind of God would want me to believe in the blood of his son? How in the world does that affect my life today? I'll tell you why it affects you. Because Jesus shed holy blood on the cross. It wasn't possible for the blood of bulls and goats and, and animals to atone for sins permanently. So God said, I'm going to send my son in the likeness of flesh. He's going to become sin in the flesh that mankind can be redeemed for me. And on the cross, the nails pierced his hands and the nails pierced his feet and a sword pierced is his side and royal blood began flowing and on the cross he gave his life mankind didn't take it Jesus freely offered it up because he's the sacrifice of the Lord he's the lamb slain before the foundations of the world and he died for me and he died for you glory to God how many of you remember who Aaron Burr was think hard now in American history there was a man named Aaron Burr he was the third vice president of the United States of America. What's not known is that Aaron Burr's father was a pastor. And as a teenager, Aaron Burr said, I don't want anything to do with God. I don't want anything to do with with the beliefs of my parents. And he walked away from God. He attended Princeton University. And his senior year at Princeton University, his roommates prevailed upon him. They said, Aaron, we're having a revival at our church. We've got an evangelist that's speaking Sunday morning and Sunday night. Will you please come? And they kept asking him and asking him. And Aaron Burr agreed to go to church on Sunday morning and Sunday night. The evangelist preached, and Aaron Burr came under the deep conviction of the Holy Spirit. You say, what is that? The conviction of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the great convincer. Jesus said in John chapter 16 that the Holy Spirit will convict us of sin and of righteousness and judgment to come. He's the great convincer. Aaron Burr came under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. He knew that he knew that he needed to give his heart to Jesus Christ. He knew that he needed to repent of his sins. And conviction stayed upon him on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. And the story goes that on Friday, he said, God, I can't take this conviction. Take it away from me. I don't want anything to do with you. And historians say that Aaron Burr never entered another church building, never had any desire for God after that. Shortly after that, Aaron Burr had a duel. 
he had a duel with Alexander Hamilton, and he killed Alexander Hamilton. And history closes on that man. He's being tried for murder. Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. Let's read that together. Come on, aloud and loudly, everybody. Use your best voice. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. See, there's two ways that you can enter eternity. You can enter eternity with your sins forgiven, making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, accepting his shed blood as the full payment for your sins, or you can enter eternity trying to pay for your own sins. Somebody said that hell is reserved for those who want to pay for their own sins. Peter walked on the water. It was a miracle. As long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he was walking on top of the water, but he began to sink. And he said, Jesus, save me. That's what I'm asking some of you to cry out. God, would you save me? Would you deliver me? Would you redeem me? Would you help me, Lord Jesus? I need your help. Because the Bible says we're all dead in our trespasses and sins. You say, but I'm a pretty good person. I pay my taxes. I'm a pretty good citizen. I'm involved in this civic organization, and I'm involved in that civic organization. Well, you might be the nicest person in the world who will miss making heaven your home. Because it's not by good works that we do that we get to heaven. It's by putting our faith in what Jesus Christ has already done for us in his finished work. Because on the cross, Jesus, just before he died, he said, it is finished. And the good news is that he didn't stay in the grave. The good news is that he was there on the first day and the second day. But the third day, they went to the grave, but they couldn't find him because he had risen from the dead. And we find him in Revelation chapter 1 saying, well, come on, just go ahead and clap. Hallelujah. We find him. Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. He says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm alive forevermore. we got a God who knows his way out of the grave. There's no record that Muhammad ever came out of the grave. There's no record that Hare Krishna came out of the grave. There's no record that Confucius came out of the grave. But Jesus knows his way out of the grave. And the God that you can serve knows his way out of the grave. And you may say, but my life's a mess. Maybe you feel like you've got one foot in the grave. Thank God you need a Savior that knows how to take you out of the grave. You need a Savior who knows how to come on up. Paul says, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will give life. He will give life to your mortal body. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here's a third thing that Jonah tells us. Let's look at that. We're going to put it up on the screen. We can ask God for a second chance. I love Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 and following. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the... The word of the Lord came to Jonah the... Let's do it. We can do better than that. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose, and he went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Folks, the word of the Lord came to that fish, and it vomited Jonah up on dry land. Now, how many of you know, if you've been three days in the belly of a fish, you may not look so good. 
And I can tell you, you don't smell so good. Your skin and your clothing and your hair is all bleached white. There's no pigment left in your, in, in your skin. You're covered with seaweed and you stink to high heaven. But you make your way 550 miles. Well, who knows where he was when he was thrown up. But anyway, he makes his way to Nineveh. Nineveh was a great city. 120,000 people. It took uh, three days to walk across it. And here comes this prophet, seaweed wrapped all over him, smelling to high heaven, saying, repent. In 40 days, God's going to destroy this city if you don't repent. And the Bible says the most amazing thing happened. It says they repented. Everybody from the king all the way down to the peasant. The king got off his throne. He took off his royal robes. He put on sackcloth. He says, we're going to fast and we're going to pray and we're going to seek God. Hallelujah. Look at what Jesus said, Matthew 12, 41. He says, the men of Nineveh are going to rise up in the judgment with this generation. And they're going to condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And indeed, a greater than Jonah is here. I'm telling you, Easter is about the resurrection of God himself. Easter is about the resurrection of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who is greater than Jonah, who is greater than Muhammad, who is greater than, than Hare Krishna, who is be- greater than anyone who has ever lived or ever purported to be a, a representative of God. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by Him. He's the source, the force, and the course of the universe. Come on. He's the seed of a woman in the book of Genesis. In Exodus, he's our Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's the great lawgiver. In Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy, he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. In Joshua, He's the captain of the Lord's host. In Judges, he is the great judge of all. In the book of Ruth, he is our kinsman, redeemer. Who is Jesus? He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the creator of this universe. He created you. He knows how many hairs are on your head. And for me, he's having to subtract every day. He sees you when you get up in the morning and he sees you when you lay down at night. He sees you when things are going good and he sees you when things aren't going so good. He hears you when because life and death are in the power of your tongue. He hears what you've got to say. He's the he's the high priest of all of our confessions, Hebrew says. He hears what you're saying about yourself and about this life and he hears you. When you're moving in faith, because without faith, it's impossible to please him. And all it takes, all it takes today is to have faith the the size of a mustard seed. You say, well, I'm not very good. I'm not very holy. And I lived a bad life. And I'm telling you, Jesus came just for you. All it takes is faith the size of a mustard seed to say, Jesus, I believe and I'm trusting you. That's all it takes. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
I don't know what you think about what's going on in the world today, but there's a lot of tragedies. There's a lot of heartaches. And I get concerned about myself and I'm concerned about everybody that, you know, we just, we get so used to hearing about terrible things going on that we kind of, we kind of just harden ourselves to it. But think about what's happened just this week in Monday in Brussels, Belgium. Two bomb blasts go off. Over 35 people lose their lives. 270 people are injured. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense at all. On Tuesday in Texas, a gunman goes into a Walmart and he kills an employee and then turns the gun on himself. Doesn't make sense. On Thursday in New Orleans, a physician is in his office and a disgruntled patient walks in with a gun and kills the physician and then turns the gun on himself. On Friday, in Iraq, not too far from where Jonah was sent to preach repentance, a man takes a bomb and wears it like a vest, puts a coat on and he walks into a crowded soccer stadium. He detonates it. 25 people are killed and hundreds are injured. Folks, the news media today says right here in America, right here in the United States, every two weeks there is a mass shooting of some kind. Every two weeks there's a mass shooting, whether it's taking place in a, in a place of work or taking place in a movie theater or at a shopping center or in a school. Folks, what in the world is going on? I think God's trying to get our attention. God's speaking to us today. He says, if we don't repent, He says, the men of Nineveh are going to rise up in judgment because we are told about one who is greater than Jonah. The men of Nineveh are going to rise up in judgment because all these things are taking place and yet if if we're kind of taken care of if our needs are met if we're not touched by these tragedies then well that's just too bad folks i want you to hear me everybody look at me open your ears and open your heart genesis 6 god says my spirit is not going to always strive with man My spirit is not going to always give you a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance. God's grace is greater than our sins. How many preachers did Nineveh hear? It's one. How many preachers have you heard in your lifetime? How many church services have you attended? How many preachers on the radio and television? How many podcasts do you have the opportunity to listen to how many bibles do you have in your house jonah preached in an entire city turned to god wouldn't it be wonderful if everybody in tallahassee florida today turned their hearts to the lord jesus christ wouldn't it be wonderful if everybody repented of their sins and said jesus we're trusting your shed blood as the full payment for all of our sins well the ninevites repented and no, Jonah was not happy because he, he hated him. He was like, well, Lord, I forgive him, but you get him. He still wanted God to destroy the city. And you know what he did? Jonah's chapter 4 says that he pulled up his Winnebago right outside 
of Nineveh. And he sat out in the sun because he wanted to see what God was going to do. And if you've ever spent any time in the Middle East, you know that sun is unmerciful. He sat out there. He was baking in the sun. And a hot east wind was blowing. And the Bible says that overnight, God caused a little gourd to grow up and provide shade for him. And that crazy man fell in love with that gourd. I mean, it was, it was, it was just like overnight, God brings his gourd to shelter him from all the sun and from the hot eastern wind. And he's fallen in love with this, oh, how I love this gourd. And here is the problem. Jonah loved the gourd, but Jonah didn't love people. Folks, I want you to hear me. God loves you. God loves you. Jesus gave his life for you. He's concerned about you. God's grace is greater than all of our sins. Here's the final point. This little book of Jonah tells us that we learn that God is concerned about you. He really is. In 1929, how many of you are are college football fans? Let me just see your hands. 1929, Georgia Tech is playing the university, it wasn't Southern California at that time, the University of California Golden Bears. They're playing them for the national championship in the Rose Bowl. 1929, Georgia Tech scores first. They're driving with the ball, and Georgia Tech fumbles it, and one of the California players recovers the ball. His name is Roy Regals. And Roy Regals recovers the fumble, and he gets up and he starts to run, but he forgets which end he should be running towards, and he starts going towards Georgia Tech's goal line, and he's almost going to score a touchdown for Georgia Tech, and at the five-yard line, one of his own players tackles him and avoids a terrible tragedy. Halftime comes. The players go in the locker room. Roy Regal sits down in front of his locker. He puts a towel over his head, and he begins crying his eyes out. The coach doesn't mention what Roy did. The coach surprises everybody when he says, just before halftime was over, he says, fellas, let's have the players that started the first half to start the second half. Everybody went out on the field except Roy Regals. Roy Regal sat in front of his locker crying his eyes out. And his coach went over and he says, Roy, it's time to get on the field. He says, Coach, I can't do it. I've embarrassed you. I've embarrassed our school. I've embarrassed our fans. I've embarrassed myself. I can't face those people out there. Play without me. The coach looked at Roy. He said, Roy, the game is only half over. Roy Regals went out the second half. He blocked a punt, played a great half a ball. I read that about that coach. Roy, the half is only, the game is only halfway over. And I thought to myself, my, my, what a coach. I read the book of Jonah, and you know what comes to my mind? My, my, what a God who will give me a second chance. I read the story of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and I just want to fall to my face and say, my, 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 what a Savior. My, 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 what a Lord. My, 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 what a God. My, 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 what a graceful King. My, 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 is the King of the universe. Oh, Jesus, I love you and I give everything to you. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Norm and Andrea, come on and come. And I'm going to ask the members of the altar team to come and stand across the front. And I'm going to ask all of you to stand. All over this house, everybody stand. I just want to give you an opportunity in the stillness of this moment. I'm going to ask that nobody move, nobody talk, nobody be moving around. In the stillness of this moment, if you desire to have your sins forgiven. In the stillness of this moment, if you'd say the Holy Spirit is dealing with my heart. And I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. In the stillness of this moment, if you'd say I need the forgiveness of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm going to ask you to to slip up your hand and then take it down after I've seen it. You may be a church member. You may come to church on a regular basis. Maybe you've been baptized. Maybe you've been confirmed. Maybe, 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 maybe you've been all about the church, but you're not, you're not sure in your heart of hearts that Jesus Christ is your Lord. You're not sure in your heart of hearts that Jesus Christ is your King. He wants to minister to you today. He wants to minister to you today. If you'd say, Terrell, that's me. I need Jesus Christ today. I want to repent of my sins. Just lift up your hand and leave it up till I see it. Thank you. I see your hand. Look me in the eyes, if you will. Yes, thank you. We're sealing the deal. Thank you. Yes, today. You mean that. Anybody else? Today, I want to give my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to give my heart to Jesus Christ. Anybody else? Anybody else all over this place? Yes, thank you. Thank you. Anybody else all over this house? I want to give my heart to Jesus Christ. Anybody else? Anybody else? There, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hand. Yes. You can put your hand down. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Today, I want to give my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. Anybody else all over this house? Anybody else? Anybody else? We're getting ready to start singing. But as we do, I want you to know these altars are open. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Just, 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 if you're in the middle of a road, just say, pardon me, I just need to get by. The people you came with will wait for you. Just say, just come down here. We want to pray a prayer with you. And we want to give you some literature that will help you get started in your Christian life. That will just strengthen you and bless you. That's it. Now, just come on, start making your way down here. If you raised your hand, thank you, thank you. Here they come. Come on, come on, just say, excuse me, excuse me, I'm going to make my way down to the front. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.